Hello and welcome. The following message is from Benediction Church in Hamilton, Ontario. Thanks very much, Mike, for doing the right this morning. Good morning, everyone. So, as of today, December 6th, the second Sunday of Advent, there's less than three weeks to go before Christmas. I don't know what everyone's church background is, but the church that I grew up in was was brethren or kind of brethren. Um, and we didn't really follow what's called the church calendar. We celebrated all the big important events, of course. We always celebrated Good Friday and Easter and Christmas and all of those good things. But I didn't know much about things like Lent or Epiphany or any other kind of parts of the, of the calendar. The one thing that, um, the one exception to that was Advent. I always remember Advent since I was, since I was a little kid. I remember being in church and every Sunday there would be a family that would, would go up to the front and they would read part of scripture or they would say a prayer and they would light candles on like what we have in the picture here, which I always thought looked like a wreath that someone put on its side for some reason and stuck candles in. Um, so I always loved that. I always loved the, the lighting of candles at church on Sunday mornings. And I always remember love from my childhood, uh, a carol service we had at the church I grew up at, which was imaginatively called Carols by Candlelight, um, which when I was little, there was so many candles, it was probably a fire hazard, but it was this wonderful tradition that, that I looked forward to every year. Um, I also remember as a, as a kid loving Advent in part because of the non-Christ-centered Advent pieces, like having an Advent calendar I'm sure we all had, where we got a chocolate every every morning in December, which... For some reason, you'll end up chocolate in the morning during Advent, which is wonderful. Um, but probably one of my favorite traditions as a kid in, involving Advent also had to do with a candle. We had, every year we would buy this Advent candle that was just a normal kind of white candle. But on the side of it was painted the numbers of all the days from 1 down to 24. And each day, we would burn off a little bit of it until we got to Christmas Eve. It was all the way done. And so I think even before I really understood... Um, what Advent was or what Christmas really meant, I knew there was these traditions around them that were that were wonderful. I knew these traditions instilled me with a sense of wonder, excitement, and anticipation of Christmas, which is our celebration of Jesus' birth. So this is our, our second week of Advent, where we're delving in, in this series, we're delving into the topics of hope, faith, joy, and peace. Last week, David preached on hope, and today we're discussing faith, by looking at the story of Simeon that, that Mike just read us from Luke 2. It won't come as news to any of you um, that 2020 has been a hard year in our community, here in Hamilton, across the country, and in, in the wider world. This year, a lot of our best laid plans have been unraveled. A lot of this year has been spent uh, in isolation and with a lot of anxiety about the future. And now, here we are in, in December, and there's a lot of fatigue setting in from for the pandemic and just, just the state of the world in general. When I signed up to, to talk about faith this morning as a part of this series, I knew that I wanted to speak about Simeon, in part because I've always loved the story of Simeon, um, but in part because he was living in what was a very dark time for his people. And yet through that time, he clung to God's promises. And I hope that Simeon can be an example for us in this year and for many people in our community um, in a week that has been hopeless and, and maybe has, has tried a lot of people's faith. Simeon was someone to whom God made a promise and who held on to that faith when many others would have given up that promise long ago. 
So this morning we're going to start off by just talking a bit about who Simeon was and what we know about him, uh, a bit about his kind of life and times. And then we're going to look at um, how Simeon's faith can be an example for us uh, in what we're going through right now in our, in our lives. Third, we're going to look a bit at how we're supposed to be different from Simeon because we're living, living in, in different times. We're, you know, about 2,000 years removed from, from his circumstances. And lastly, we're just going to talk about what this all means for, for Advent this year and for us. So to start on um, the life and times of Simeon. So we only know actually a little bit about Simeon from Luke 2. That's the only place in the Bible um, where, where he appears. But we know a bit about his context. So we know what was going on when he was alive. We know he was um, you know, Jewish. We know he was, he was from Jerusalem. Um, but kind of as the background, David spoke a bit last week about the fact that there was a thousand years from the time when the Messiah was prophesied and during the reign of King David and the time that Jesus came. And Simeon lived kind of at the at the very end of that thousand years. But what's interesting about that thousand years is that for the first 600 of it, there were prophets. And these prophets came and they spoke God's truth to God's people. And then from the last prophet in the Old Testament until Jesus' birth, there's 400 years where there are prophets and there is silence. In fact, it's often called the 400 years of silence or um less creatively, the intertestamental period that goes from the end of the Old Testament to where the New Testament starts. And during this period, things weren't great for God's people. Israel was dominated by foreign powers. At first, the Persians took them over, and then the Greeks took them over under Alexander the Great, and then other Greeks came in and, and took power. Um, and then kind of the last power to take over was, was the Romans. And, um, and in 63 BC, there was this big siege of Jerusalem by the Romans, and they took over the city with a lot of bloodshed, and, and actually something really kind of scarring happened for, for the Jewish people, which is that the Roman general, whose name is Pompey, went into the temple, and he went into the Holy of Holies, where only priests were supposed to go. So he desecrated the temple, um, which, which you've heard in the Old Testament, is, um, is hugely problematic for, for God's people. So... That's the context in which Simeon lives. He lives in a time when things are doing really poorly for God's people. They, they feel like they're not hearing from God, and they're just waiting um, and waiting. So what else do we know about Simeon? There is, um, we, we don't know for sure uh, if he was a priest. Some people think he was a priest. Some people think he might have been essentially a biblical scholar and someone who translated the, um, the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek. Um, and there's a, there's a tradition that he even might have been. We know, we know that when Jesus was born and when the story happens, Simeon was old, that he was kind of an old man, but we don't know exactly how old. There's some traditions in the, in the Eastern Orthodox Church that hold that Simeon was as old as 200 years old when this happened, which would be um, very old indeed. So, so that's kind of what, what we know about him from the background, from the context. And then now let's, let's go into the text and see what... Um, what Luke tells us. So we're going to start at, if you have your Bibles, um, pull them back up to, to Luke 2, and we're going to start at verse 25. 
So verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So let's stop there for just a second. So the first things we learned in verse 25 are that Simeon was righteous, he was devout, and he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. I think we roughly have a good sense of what, what being righteous and, and devout means. I don't really want to dwell on those, but, but we don't often use the term looking forward to Israel's consolation. Um, I kind of smiled and when we were singing, come that long expected to Jesus, because they use the term Israel's consolation. I was like, yeah, see, that's, that's what I got it from. Um, but, but what that means, that phrase, is that really he was looking forward, Simeon was, to the coming of the Messiah. He was looking forward to um, the day that Isaiah had prophesied about centuries earlier, when, when a Messiah would come, who would be the Prince of Peace, who would establish and uphold his kingdom with justice and with righteousness, and his government and peace, and of whose government and peace there would be no end. So Simeon was, was waiting for that. And he was eager for that day to come. We also see in the, in the second half of verse 25 that the Holy Spirit was on Simeon. Now, reading that um, in the 21st century, especially if you're, if you're pretty familiar with the New Testament and you know, you've read about the Holy Spirit lots, on lots of occasions, it doesn't seem that significant to have it say that the Holy Spirit was on him. But we have to remember that Simeon is living the vast majority of his life before Jesus is born. And in the Old Testament, and before Jesus comes and lives and dies, and the resurrection happens and Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit doesn't really make many appearances. The Holy Spirit is um, a real rarity in the Old Testament. There's a very short list of times when the Holy Spirit's mentioned, and this is one of them. And there's other instances, obviously, but one is with King David, and there's obviously when Mary um, conceives, but there's very few of them. So the fact that the Holy Spirit is involved here, is on Simeon, uh, is important, and we'll, we'll come back to it. And the last thing to kind of grab from these verses before we move on is we see in verse 26 that it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So this is a promise that Simeon gets at some point in his life. We don't know exactly when he gets that. We don't know if he was the young man at that point and then lived a long, long life waiting and waiting. But we know that he got this promise from God that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And, and from the time he gets that promise on until the time we're talking about today, he, he is in waiting and uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's eagerly yearning for that to happen. So in which ways um, can Simeon be, be an example for us here and now? We're obviously living in, in different days, but, but how can Simeon be an example to us? So we know that Simeon lived in dark times. He lived through this, this 400 years of silence. He lived towards the end of it, but it was a time where people were, were anticipating and waiting for the Messiah, waiting for word from God, and they felt like it just wasn't coming. Israel had been conquered by all these different powers, um, we don't know for sure how long Simeon lived for, but um, chances are he lived through the traumatic siege of Jerusalem and, and saw the temple, which is where, you know, God's people met with God. He saw it desecrated by a foreign power. It's hard to imagine a more disheartening and devastating thing to happen to the Jewish people. 
than for their temple to be desecrated, which they had, which they had already rebuilt. Um, and while we aren't concerned with temples now, like the Jews were in the first century, we're also living in times that can be disheartening and, and can honestly be devastating. Um, I don't think we have to be reminded of the issues that are in the world right now, but we live in a time where there's sickness and there's death and there's exploitation. There's all manner of other issues. And so Simeon endured through difficult times. He endured through long years on this promise that he'd see the Messiah, but he didn't necessarily have much in those years besides this promise that he just kept to um, and kept the faith. He remained righteous and he remained devout for all those years looking forward to the Messiah, regardless of what was going on around him. We don't know, um, you know, we don't know a huge amount about his contemporaries. We don't know if he had friends from childhood who are off doing different things and living different lives and who were hoping and waiting for different things than Simeon was. But we know that that didn't let him affect if he lived his life. We know that he stayed righteous and devout for all those years. And as much as I hate to use uh, this acronym, I think that if we could talk to Simeon at the very end of his life, I don't think he would tell us that he had FOMO. I don't think he would have missed out on a bunch of things. I don't think he would have said, man, I really wish I had I'd gone to that thing or done this. I think he would have said that he lived his life um, in such a way that he, that he was happy with it. Uh, I, I think he would have said that living his life the way he did was worth it and the faith was worth it. And, and it made sense for him to, to believe in God's promise for all those years. Something I think that we need to, to think about um, is when we come to the end of our lives, what would we wish we had or hadn't done when we look back? I think if Simeon, I think if we live as Simeon did, then we too will be able to say that, that our faith was worth it. And the reality is that faith may be hard at times, and, and for some people this week may be those times, or um, this year may be those times. But it may feel to us like God's promises were made long ago, and they're overdue for being fulfilled. But the reality is, is they will be. So the second thing I think we can learn from Simeon is, is listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So the Jews were waiting um, for the Messiah to come. And it's interesting, I hadn't thought this before, but I read this this week, that in the Christmas story, no one kind of stumbles on Jesus by accident. There's no one who comes to the nativity, who meets Jesus, that just kind of arrives. Even though the Jews were, were desperate for a Messiah and were waiting and waiting, there's all of these things that happen that draw people's attention to Jesus. There are angels who appear to shepherds. There's, um, you know, a new star that shows up in the sky that the wise men follow. And there's all these things that, that draw people to Jesus. And for Simeon, that is the Holy Spirit prompts him to go to the temple. And what's interesting is that Simeon's prompt might be the most subtle of the whole Christmas story. There's not a choir of angels. Gabriel doesn't appear to him. Uh, there's no star. It's just a prompting he feels. And so um, the, the Gospel of Luke, if we, if we turn back to the text, tells us simply that in this translation, uh, in verse 27, just says simply, guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. Some other translations say he came, he being Simeon, he came in the Spirit into the temple, or moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And we don't know exactly what that prompting from the Holy Spirit was like for Simeon, but what we do know is that he listened, and he actually got up, and he went. So to jump back into the text here, starting at verse 27, 
guided by the spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And I, uh, I like to imagine Simeon a bit as an old man who, who wakes up day after day and he goes to the temple faithfully. And then one morning, maybe he gets up and he's in a very bad sleep. His arthritis is flaring up. It's raining. The temple's all the way across the busy city of Jerusalem. And he just doesn't want to get out of bed. We've all had mornings like that. Maybe not the arthritis specifically, but we've all had mornings like that. And you can think of a thousand reasons why you shouldn't get up and go. But he feels the spirit prompting him. So he gets out of bed. He goes to the bathroom, washes up, puts on his clothes, his sandals, and he heads out and goes to the temple. And because he takes that, that simple step of obedience of actually just showing up and going where he feels he's supposed to, his life was changed forever. Because he got up that morning and went, he got to meet God who had come to earth in the form of a baby. He held the God of the whole universe in his arms, which I doubt is anything any of us will ever be able to do. Um, and because he got up and, and went out the door and followed this prompting, he lived to see the promise that God had made him fulfilled and the promise that God had made to, to his people a thousand years earlier fulfilled. The question for us, I think, is, is how is the spirit prompting us in our everyday lives? It's pretty amazing um, what happened when Simeon followed the spirit's prompting. And um, God doesn't necessarily promise that every time we follow his prompting, something amazing like that will happen. But, um, but what is the spirit prompting us to do in our lives? And are we responding? Are we stepping out in faith, even if it's uncomfortable or inconvenient for us? And are we stepping out in faith repeatedly, even if we've been hoping and praying for something for years, and it seems like we're getting nowhere? Because to Simeon, I'm sure it felt like he was getting nowhere and he was getting nothing waiting. If we do step out in faith, the Spirit's prompting, there really is no telling how God could use that. But it could be that if we take that first step, lives could be transformed, people could be set free from addictions and all kinds of afflictions, broken hearts could be healed, those who mourn could be comforted, and those who are weary could find rest. So those are a couple of ways that I think we should use Simeon as an example um, and think about his faith and, and his life. So how then are we to be different than Simeon? So we've talked a bit about when he lived, where he lived, what things were like. And Jesus, well, Jesus is, but Simeon is a unique um, character in the Bible, right? He really is in it for a very short amount of time. He kind of pops in, and he is, I think, this marker um, to Jesus' divinity and the fact that, that he is God. And so there are lessons we can take from his life that we've just talked a bit about, but there also are ways in which his faith is necessarily going to be different from ours because we live at different times. And so Jesus coming was the fulfillment of God's promise to the Simeon and to God's people. Simeon lived, as we've talked about, in this intertestamental period where God's people were waiting and yearning for a Messiah. And, and you know, that, that's what Simeon was waiting for. And, and as soon as he meets Jesus, he says in verse 29, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. 
I can't imagine what that moment would have been like for him when he'd been waiting and waiting, but he, but he saw that promise finally fulfilled. And that, that's the end of Simeon's story for us. We don't know exactly when he died. You know, we don't know exactly what happened to him after that, but presumably he, he died sometime later, and that's, that's all we really know, know about him. And so for Simeon, the encounter with Jesus is essentially the end. That's, that's the end of the story. That's the promise fulfilled. That's kind of it. But for us, encountering Jesus is the start of the story. It's the start of our faith. It's not the end. It's not the fulfillment of it. And there's a couple reasons for that. The first was well, many reasons. The first, though, is that what Jesus did when he was on earth and the kind of Messiah he was. Jesus didn't just, um, he wasn't just born as a baby and live a normal life. But he also wasn't um, the Messiah a lot of people in Israel expected. He wasn't some military leader who came and kicked out the Romans and, and founded a new kind of earthly kingdom, as a lot of people thought the Messiah would, would be and frankly hoped he would be. Jesus taught love and he taught peace and he loved humanity so much that he died for our sake um, on the cross. And he enabled us to have a right relationship with God. Jesus chose to free us from our slavery to sin and now we can live in that freedom. And so the way that our faith works is necessarily different from Simeon's because we live after Jesus came. We live after Easter. The second thing is that um, our faith is different from Simeon's too because of what God is still doing in the Holy Spirit. So we're not in a period like he was of this 400 years of silence. We haven't had 2,000 years of silence since Jesus came. The reality is that all those who believe have the Holy Spirit who ministers to them, and he's capable of transforming lives in a way that only God is capable of doing. So for us, when we encounter Jesus, that's the start, not the end. And we also don't believe that God's work is finished. We believe his work continues, and then one day his kingdom will be fulfilled, and there will be no more sorrow or death, and that it will be on earth as it is in heaven. And that is what we long for. We don't long for the same thing Simeon did. We live in different times, and we long for for not Christmas, although we love Christmas and it's extremely important, but we long for when Jesus is going to come again. I uh, I was reading an Advent reading this week by this author called uh, Justin Wimble Early, who's written a very good book called The Common Rule, if you want to look it up. But, uh, but he had this Advent reading that I thought kind of captured this longing um, that we have very well. He wrote it like this. It will not always be like it is now. This constant wrestling with yourself and the world, the ever-present tangle with darkness. There is a day coming where all that will be, where all that will be put to rest. You may have never named it, but this is the day you have spent your whole life longing for. Everyone has. This day of eternal morning, where the presence of God is with us and we are with each other, this is what the whole world longs for. This is the center of Advent the hope of Jesus renewal. Advent reminds us that the world has a future. Because of Jesus, that day is actually coming. Pray that you would long for nothing short of that, because nothing short of that is worth your longing. And so like Simeon had a promise that he held to, and he saw fulfilled, we have a promise that we hold to as well, and our faith is worth it, even if that day that we're waiting for doesn't come in our lifetime, because there's no guarantee it will. So what does all this mean for us at Advent of 2020? The, the first thing I think it means is that our faith is not in this broken world that we live in right now. 
it's in Jesus and the kingdom that he has initiated and that he will one day bring to completion when he returns. The faith is sometimes hard because of this broken world in which we live. There are times where we may question God because the world around us seems to be falling apart and we don't know where he is in that. There's a pandemic killing hundreds of thousands of people in a single year. There's war. Um, there's people die prematurely and there's, there's children um, being killed when we can't, can't understand that. But God's promises are true. And he's promised us there will be a day when none of those things will happen any longer. There'll be a day where there's no more death or sickness. And like Simeon, we need to cling to and have faith in those promises. The second thing I think this means for us right now is that, is that faith is worth it because of what God has done for us, what he is still doing in us, and what he will do in the future. At Advent, we remember what God essentially did for the Israelites and for us at that first Christmas. We should also not lose sight of the Holy Spirit, which we now have with us, and the work of God's kingdom that is happening on the earth here and now. Faith matters right now. It's not just about looking at what's to come, but it's also about believing the Holy Spirit is with us um, and taking part in what, what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do right now. And I think the third point here, what this means to us, is that like Simeon, we need to keep coming back to encounter Jesus. For Simeon, he kept going back to the temple um, every day, hoping, hoping to see the Messiah. And while we don't have to go back to a specific building or city to encounter Jesus, we need to keep coming back to him. Because when we do, Jesus shows up. Jesus changes lives here and now, and he will change everything when he returns. But here on earth now, he sets captives free from all kinds of afflictions. He heals broken hearts. He cleanses us from sin. And that, and that matters. We need to keep coming back, and we need to keep um, yeah, our, our faith centered on, on Jesus and not on, on anything else. Thanks for listening to this message from Benediction Church in Hamilton, Ontario. Feel free to copy and share these resources, but please don't alter the content in any way. We invite you to visit us online again soon at www.benediction.church for more teaching and information about how you can join us in serving and praying that it would be in Hamilton as it is in heaven.